0: Hello, and welcome to What Excites Us, the show that discusses sex and sexuality throughout time and place, including the here and now. This episode is a little different than most, and some may consider it outside of the purview, but I don't, and since it's my show, well, here we are. This is a truly powerful, and dare I say it, even though it's cheesy, Heartwarming conversation with Zoe and Marion, two women brought together through the magic of genetics and science. Marion helped Zoe come into this world by donating her eggs. It was such a blessing to have this conversation and to be able to share it with you. Now, they have had the most amazing possible outcome, and I'm hoping that this chat may help you or someone you love make some hard decisions. I do recognize that for many folks, this will have no bearing on your life whatsoever, but it's still a wonderful story. So please stick around and give it a listen. This episode of What Excites Us is brought to you by me. I'm Gwen Isaacs, and besides being your podcast host, I'm a certified sex coach and educator, and right now I have some openings for text-based clients. I love coaching over email and text. It allows you to be open and vulnerable in ways that may feel too difficult in person, which lets us tackle the concerns you have at your own pace. Very few of us were taught how to have sex. Most of us are feeling our way through the dark, hoping we get it right. I can help you build skills in the bedroom and navigate your intimate relationships. I have two ways you can sign up to start texting with me right away. When you go to earthlydesire.com coaching, you will find a weekly subscription for daily correspondence and a way to schedule a live one hour text chat. Visit EarthlyDesire.com to start on your path of more pleasure today. You deserve it. Welcome, Marion and Zoe. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves?
1: Sure. Yep. I'm Marion. I'm um, a body-based educator and coach, and I formerly lived in Boston in the 1990s when I was studying music, and at that time I was an egg donor among other things. And recently Zoe connected with me. And so I'm like so, so thrilled that our lives are are connected now.
2: So that's me, Zoe. Hi, I'm Zoe. I was born in Boston, Massachusetts and grew up there before moving to Maine for school and more recently out to Reno, Nevada. And right When I got in touch with Marion, I was on a big cross-country road trip living out of my Subaru Forester, moving back to New England from Reno. So our journey of getting to know each other coincided with my road trip. And we met for the first time. She was my last stop in New York um, before I arrived home in Boston. That is so cool.
0: Zoe, when were you born? Uh, June
2: 1996.
0: Did you always know the story of your birth?
2: Yes, I grew up knowing that I was a donor conceived person. My parents were always very open about that and answered all of my questions on the topic and shared the little amount of information they were given about Marion at the time. And I was too young to even remember the first conversation we had about it. So I had growing up, I had this image I'd created in my mind of this mysterious woman who had helped to bring me into this world. But I understood that her identity was confidential and accepted that as fact up until a year ago. But yeah, I, I grew up knowing and I'm really happy my parents were open and honest about that with me. Sure. Yeah, of
0: course. How did the confidentiality change? How did you find each other?
2: Well, I knew that there were DNA tests out there, at-home DNA test kits you could order, but I didn't know until the spring of 2020 that they also matched you up with other people in the database that shared your DNA. It wasn't until I read an article about a young woman who connected with some of her half-siblings who shared the same sperm donor, and they found each other through Ancestry.com. So at that point, this was spring 2020, it had never even crossed my mind before then that I might have genetic half-siblings either other donor offspring or biological offspring of Marians. So suddenly I I realized that there was a way for me to possibly find out who these people were. At first, I felt that if I ordered one of these DNA tests and went searching for genetic family members that I would be betraying the Family I already had, and this is something I grappled with for a while. And I talked about it with with my parents and a cousin I'm close with, and they all encouraged me to to go ahead with it. They said, "What an amazing opportunity or possibility to find out that other part of yourself." So in July 2020, I ordered a DNA test kit from Ancestry.com, and Spit into a little plastic tube, packaged it up, and mailed it to the lab in Utah. And six weeks later, I got my results in an email. And it took me a couple days before I had worked up the courage to open the email because I knew with, with a couple clicks, I might be staring at the names um, or the faces of the donor or half siblings I didn't know. So I opened up my results, and at the top of the page were two names that I didn't recognize listed as close family members. And based on the amount of DNA we shared, I knew that they were either half-siblings, aunt and uncle, or grandparents. And for some reason, I assumed they were half-siblings, people my age. So I started typing their names into Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn because Ancestry just gave me their names, no other information. And I was, wasn't was coming up with much uh, until I decided to type both of their names into Google at the same time. And up came an obituary, which turned out to be for Marion's mother, and I knew this was the person I'd matched with because her spouse's name was uh, the other match. And I'd also match with a second cousin who listed her hometown as somewhere in New Zealand. And Marion's mom was from New Zealand. So some internet sleuthing later led me to Marion because my parents at the time uh, when they were matched with a the donor, they were told that she shared similar physical characteristics to my mom, and that she was musical and had an advanced degree in science. That's all they were told. So I found Marion's LinkedIn profile and saw uh, that she had a master's in engineering. She'd gone to Berkeley College of Music and had lived in Boston at the time of my conception. So everything added up. This was in September of 2020. At that time, I wasn't sure where to go from there. I mean I was just completely in awe that within a couple hours of receiving my test results, I had a name and a face and all this other information about this person who just a couple hours before I'd known nothing about. So it took it took me a little while to process all that newfound information and I was initially nervous about, Reaching out to her, you know, I didn't know if she wanted to be found, if she wanted to hear from me, whether she'd even told her family that she had donated. So I decided to wait before I reached out. And I had also just moved across the country and was trying to start a new job and buy a car. So I was going to wait until a calmer time in my life to reach out. Turns out Marion's sister beat me to it. In February of 2021, I got an email from Marion's sister saying, Hi, I was on my dad's Ancestry.com account, and I saw your name, and we're wondering how you fit into the family and who you are. She seemed kind of confused as why my name was listed on her dad's Ancestry site. And then she wrote back right away saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. I've I've figured out the connection. Uh, please be in contact if you have any questions. At that point, I I figured that she had made the connection about the egg donor, but I wasn't sure. So I decided, in order to preserve Marion's privacy, that I would reach out to her first before responding to her sister. So I sent her a Facebook message is introducing myself and briefly explained how I'd found her and waited to hear back. But it turns out Marian doesn't check her Facebook very often and messages from someone you're not friends with um, don't send a notification. So it wasn't until the beginning of April, three days after I had moved out of where I was living in Reno, Nevada, packed up my Subaru Forester and set out on what would turn out to be a three-month road trip around the West Coast and then cross-country back to New England. I woke up on the third day of my trip in in the back of the Subaru and it was probably 25 degrees in the morning and I checked my phone and there was a Facebook message for Marion and I was so excited to have heard back from her I'd kind of assumed at that point that she either hadn't gotten it or else uh, wasn't interested in pursuing a relationship. And so to get a warm response from her was so exciting and just filled me with happiness and gratitude. And I'd been kind of struggling the first few days on the road. I felt super unprepared for the trip I was trying to undertake And to get that message from her totally lifted my spirits. And so basically from then on, we've been communicating and I've also gotten to know her entire family, her siblings, her father and her nieces and nephews. And the route I had planned took me through all of the places across the country where Marion's family lived. Uh, her niece in San Francisco, another niece in South Dakota, and the rest of her family in Michigan. Those were all places that I had planned to go on my road trip before I I knew about any of her family members. It was a total coincidence. So I was able to meet all of them uh, on my cross-country trip. And just having all these people I was getting to know looking out for me while I was a solo female uh, living out of a Subaru. It was. It gave me a lot of comfort to know that I had this newfound group of people who I started calling the third side of my family, all uh, looking out for me while I was on the road. So it was this incredible coinciding journey. The timing could not have been more perfect. You know, if I had initially reached out in in September. Um, Or if Marion hadn't reached out right then in April, who knows if I would have gotten to meet any of her family members. What
0: an amazing story. Kismet is the word that comes to mind. I mean, it's truly beautiful. And I love that everyone on your third side of the family, which, by the way, is a great name for it, is on board and wants to be a part of your life. Marion, what did you feel when you saw that first message?
1: Yeah, well, back in February, my sister had called me because uh, my whole family has known that I was an egg donor, gotcha. uh, who actually referred to the, the potential offspring as marionettes. So she's like, my gosh, I think I think we found a marionette or a marionette has found us. And, I was, and it was very exciting. And then we thought, well, we'll wait to hear back. Because I thought, oh, my gosh, what if she doesn't know? And it's a bombshell in her life, you know, not knowing any of the background and concerned for Zoe's well-being. But then we didn't hear from her. <laughs> kind of each of us didn't hear from the other because we didn't know. Uh, and then in April, when I, I finally went on to Facebook and I saw the message, what I felt was pure, radiant joy and I felt my solar plexus just like boom, expanded and rang like a bell. It was a beautiful, beautiful feeling. I was so excited and just so happy and wrote back right away. Cause I was like, oh no, all these months had gone by. Uh, and then I suggested she contact Trini, my sister, cause I knew she would be like thrilled over the moon. In fact, my whole family was ecstatic, so warm and welcoming and just super excited. and. Yeah, so it was a very expansive, happy, joyful feeling. And then as we got to know each other through texts and email exchanges, and then our first Zoom call a couple of weeks later, then Zoom calls from on the road and knowing she was getting to know members of my family, as time went on, it was really a huge buildup to the two of us meeting because there was so much that went on up until then, as she traveled and sent photographs and just beautiful hearing about her trip as it unfolded. And then in parallel, this unfolding story of meeting, I guess, our family. Yeah. And and this so much joy, happiness, and excitement and gratitude. Also for me, in those weeks, her mother got in touch with me and that was deeply moving for me. To hear her gratitude and learn a little bit about the story, it was hugely touching. You know, because when I was doing the egg donations, I was really aware because I had friends going through it. Even though mine was an anonymous donation, I had this deep sense of gratitude and really making a huge contribution to other people's lives. And so, to get to actually meet and and know Zoe and her family has just been. Amazing. It's just added a beautiful, I would say, whole dimension to my life. Deeply
0: grateful. When you were donating, had you decided that you weren't going to have children? And was that part of your thinking going into it?
1: I had been married not too long before I did the donations, just a couple of years. So I definitely didn't think I was going to have kids because I was in no hurry to remarry. And I've never... I've never had the ticking clock thing, yeah. you know, and, and indeed I, I turned out to not have kids, which allowed me in my work to really reach and work with a lot of different people. And I'm also just like so thrilled to meet Zoe and and have this really kind of very special
0: and unique sort of family connection. Might there be other marionettes, which by the way is also a fantastic term, props to whoever came up with that. Yeah. I suspect
1: the chances are good because I made four donations and they harvested a total of 50 eggs. Uh, What they do for the egg donation thing is they stimulate, they have a a very strong hormone, follicle stimulating hormone that they use. Uh, It's an arduous process. It definitely kicks up also massive mood swings. So instead of producing four eggs over those four cycles they produced about fifty, and I know actually from my conversations with Zoe's mom, I kind of got to see the other side. You learn about that that they they measure the eggs. It's really science. It's just all reproductive technology. Don't know if all of those eggs were fertilized. I don't really know the business model, like how many different families or people received uh, eggs. You know, but my and then I know that they could freeze. Um, freeze eggs and fertilized eggs for something like five years. So I suspect that the chances are pretty good that there are others out there. And I started actually pondering it about 20 years after I did the donations, you know, because at that point they would be hitting adulthood and there's, you know, a pretty broad range of years, you know, five or six years, depending on whether or not they were frozen or not. So I, I've, I've always been curious. And actually, it's it's come up in my family. We've talked about it. Everyone was kind of intensely curious about the possibility. And so to finally have Zoe reach out was amazing. And uh, yeah, so awesome.
0: So now that you've met in person, are there traits that you can see that you both share?
2: Uh, we definitely have the same eyes. That's the first thing I noticed when I saw a photo of Mary and same kind of unique green blue color set a little bit further apart and we're both somewhat ambidextrous Mm -hmm. and yeah I have no one on my dad's side of the family that's left-handed so now I know where that comes from and I think we have a similar temperament I would say definitely we both are somewhat
1: introverted nature lovers just like bonding and like when we've gotten together we've done hikes and Swimming up at Lake, Lake Minneapolis, which is a spectacular place. Yeah, I think there's a real gentleness and an easygoingness, which for me, I've always thought I'm kind of like my dad. He has that kind of same temperament as well. But I definitely think temperamentally, there's a lot of similar creativity, maybe expressed in different ways. I'm a musician, always totally amazing photographer
0: and videographer. So definitely the creative It's really such a great story. Would you walk us through the donation process in a little more detail? Sure. When I decided to do it, I went
1: through a a series of interviews. And there were various, I would call them psychiatric evaluations. I get that. Um, Also questions questions really questions that it wasn't actually possible to assess. Like, would you be willing to ever donate bone or blood or an organ if needed? And that's kind of a big question. So, and I was like, I guess so. I've never been contacted by the fertility clinic for any of that. I knew it was anonymous, anonymous donation going into it. Um, As I mentioned earlier, part of the process involves the physical process, stimulating the, the ovaries to produce a much larger number of follicles. And the other drug that I took, a smaller needle into the thigh, was to postpone ovulation. And then I would go in and they would do ultrasounds and measure the growth of the follicles. And then when, and they kept postponing the ovulation because they wanted to harvest as many, what they called valuable eggs as possible and the harvesting process they went in with a needle and like aspirated each one individually so there definitely was some physical discomfort after that this was a major commitment yeah. as opposed as opposed to sperm donors who have a, a much easier time of it um, i also had to be extremely careful uh, i did have a partner at the time and i was like dude oh, oh. ironically he was a sperm donor at the same clinic but that's another story but um I had to be very careful because I was ridiculously fertile, so just had to abstain. And then they did the harvesting, which I, I was put under anesthesia. So as I said, you know, it's a real commitment on my part, and I experienced um, mood swings as the because the hormones they gave me were just really powerful. So I have a lot of sympathy for women who are not only egg donors, but women who are doing their own in vitro fertilization process, because I kind of went through the same thing. And I was very fortunate that I had friends and professors at Berkeley who were in the recipient role, and they were so grateful for what I was doing. Uh, And I really, I took that in and they also helped me. I had people helping
0: me with those shots. (laughs) It was quite an experience. How long was this entire process? How many surgeries did you have? It was over, it was about over a
1: year because okay. I gave body breaks. I think I did it about once every three or four months. And then we would pause and wait. And over time, uh, the number of eggs actually diminished. Not, not hugely, but I could tell that my body was kind of getting used to it. I think it's, I don't really know, but definitely it did like the pre- and then in the end, I, just kind of knew I was like, okay,
0: time to stop Body's had enough of this. So you were put under four times. Yes. Yes. Do you think it affected your menopause and perimenopausal time? Well, I'm guessing that it must have, you know,
1: because women go into menopause when their eggs are gone. So 48 to 50 eggs, that's four years of eggs. So I must've gone in a little bit earlier, but I'm very fortunate I had a very benign transition. My cycles just kind of decreased in frequency, no symptoms whatsoever. I'm so grateful. Then I had a very healthy transition into menopause and I actually feel super vibrant and alive and as a sexual woman too. And that's part of what's drawn me, I think, into this work of working with people around their bodies and,
0: you know, um, body-based learning, which includes sexuality. Oh, thank goodness you had an easy menopause. But this whole story is really, really fascinating. Zoe, how do you feel about knowing you may have more half siblings out there?
2: It's an intriguing thought. And I periodically will log into my Ancestry account and see if anybody new has popped up. And if they do, and they're willing to reach out, um, I would be more than happy to to get to know them and hopefully welcome them in to the relationship that Marion and I have and I have with her family. So only time, only time will tell if, if they come forward, but it's, it's an exciting thought to know that I might have half siblings out there. I can only imagine I'm
0: a hobby genealogist, and I'm always checking into my ancestry because I just love the possibility of connection. And that's just cousins. It's really hard to wrap my head around either of your stories. Well, my head, yeah, but not the full grasp of the huge wash of emotions for both of you.
1: Yes, and for my family, too. It was pretty amazing for my nieces to uh, meet a new cousin on that trip, Zoe took cross country. And then my dad, oh my gosh, my dad was so excited to meet Zoe. And uh, Zoe, I was really touched by a text you shared one time that, you know, he's, he's your granddad. And I'm like, well, he is. Yeah. I know that my whole family feels a lot of joy around it. And, And Zoe showed me some of the Reddit sites. And I guess, I don't know, there's Facebook groups too of people who've been donor conceived. I never thought about that, but looking at the Reddit Chats and how people were supporting each other and getting information. And then there was one comment by a woman who was an egg donor, and my eye perked up. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never met another egg donor. What would that be like? Would you like to? I think I would. Yeah. And I would also be thrilled if there were others. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm grateful that right now we, we're having the opportunity just to get to know each other and, and adjust to the idea. Not the idea, the reality of our connection. So, no hurry for
0: any additional ones, but that would be a beautiful thing, I'm sure. Wow. Yeah. This is just a little bit mind blowing. I'm a little embarrassed that I don't have more and better questions. So, can you tell us what you feel is important to share?
2: Well, when I started this process, when I decided to order the DNA test kit, I tried to go into it without having any expectations of whether I would even find anyone or whether they would want to have a relationship. I didn't want to set myself up for disappointment. So, And I was also reading um, on the Reddit group and Facebook pages, reading about other people's experiences with finding either their donors or half-siblings. And for some people, They were able to develop a relationship, but others, the donors either didn't respond or said, I don't want anything to do with you. So I was trying to prepare myself also for that outcome. So I never imagined that Marion's entire family would be just ready to welcome me in as one of them. That thought had never even crossed my mind. And so I was just in awe when they all started reaching out to me they all wanted to get to know me and we're all expressing just how much joy this was bringing to all of them and i think our our story might be kind of on the extreme end of a of a positive outcome but i'm glad we're we're getting the chance to speak with you and share it with a broader audience and maybe encourage more people to to seek out and discover that part of themselves, because it's, I have felt more whole now that I've met Marion and her family. It was before, it was a part of myself that was missing. And now it's, I feel like I kind of understand myself and my place in this world more, more so than I had six months ago.
0: Oh, that's just so beautiful.
2: Was it overwhelming when the whole family
0: started reaching out to you?
2: It was a little bit. And initially, when Marion's sister said, Hey, my daughter lives in San Francisco, and she knew I was going to be going through there on my road trip and said she's more than happy to meet with you while you're there, my initial reaction was, Well, I think I would rather meet Marion first before any of her extended family members because she's the one who went through the donation process and is my most direct genetic connection but then i decided you know what i'm out here on the west coast who knows when i'll ever be back and what an amazing opportunity to get to meet a genetic cousin i ended up staying with her for for a whole weekend and she just couldn't have been nicer and showed me family Photos and was just the best ambassador for welcoming me into the family. So then I ended up deciding to meet the whole clan—another fifteen people when I went through Michigan.
0: Yeah, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> it we, is. We
2: we broke it into um, two two separate visits, so it wasn't the whole clan at once. But yeah, it, it felt very natural being with all of them and. There's a really fun, jovial group of people, and they all just welcome me in. So now I've got three sides of my family, which most people can't say that.
0: Hey, folks, do you know that What Excites Us has a Patreon account? Well, we do. Are you familiar with Patreon yet? It's a great way to directly support the people who enhance your life. There are artists, writers, podcasters, as well as many other types of creators and conversation makers who could use your help to continue to do great work, including me. You see, I love making this show and yet I still need to earn a living. When you contribute to creators, they can keep producing the work you enjoy. And when you do become a patron of a creator, your membership almost always involves perks. For instance, for only $6 a month, you get to hear the episodes of What Excites Us without any ads like this one. You will be invited into our private Facebook group, and you can message me from inside the Patreon app. If you love the show and can afford to support us, for $99 a month, you get all the perks, many of which I haven't mentioned, including live, regular video chats with me. No matter what level you come in on, you will have my undying appreciation and gratitude. And if you are among the first 15 people to join, you will get a never-expiring coupon code for an extra 20% off your first merch purchase, even if you come in on the level that already has 20% off. Merch is coming soon, I promise. So come join me on Patreon and tell me what excites you. Marion, do you have maternal feelings towards Zoe or how do you find yourself relating to her?
1: Well, it's interesting because I I didn't have I had protective feelings. You know, when we were contemplating Zoe being introduced to my whole family, I felt a little protective. I was like, stretch it out, don't meet everyone at once. Her big boisterous clan, loving and welcoming, but a lot. And so I did feel some protectiveness and just her being on the road like that, you know, protectiveness for her well-being and safety. But in terms of, because there's no real concise word to describe our relationship. It's such a new relationship in terms of what's available to humans. And so what, what pops to mind is I feel almost like a fairy godmother or maybe an aunt, an aunt or maybe a sort of a older sister rather than
2: parental.
0: Yeah. So it it sounds like an elder feeling, but not parental per se.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes sense.
2: I think those DNA, at-home DNA test kits only became available in 2013. So this is very new. There's, there isn't a vocabulary yet to describe our relationship. I've seen most of the online groups... Refer to donor or sperm offspring as just donor conceived people. And the offspring refer to their donors sometimes as their biological mother or father. But I would agree with the older sister feeling to our relationship, and fairy godmother is a good way to put it. <laughs> but when I'm just talking with uh, other people who know the story, I just refer to Marian as Marian. Mm-hmm. and to people who I'm uh, explaining the story for the first time I refer to her as my egg donor.
1: Yeah, it's a little more concise to describe me. Yeah, cuz when I started telling people the, the main word people would say was wow. Uh, and some people are like you mean she's your biological daughter? Yeah, I'm like technically yes. And and but that doesn't ring true. There is there is something about yeah, there's not really a word that emotionally, uh, other than what I already shared, like an older sister or fairy godmother kind of a thing. It's such a new technology. I mean, egg donation itself only started, I think, in the 80s. So there's a small number of people, but growing.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the language catches up. Right. And it's fascinating that when you went into this, there was no concept that the people would be able to reach you or find you. Or vice versa. Right. The internet was
1: not really a thing. And certainly there was, the. Ge- I don't think the genome had even been sequenced when I donated the eggs. So the technology to find me actually did not exist.
0: We live in the future. I mean, this is right out of a past science fiction reality. It's beautiful, but it's nothing that I would have conceived of 30 or 40 years ago.
1: Mm-mm. I'm a spiritual person. And so it's kind of... Awe inspiring to me that souls, in a way, can sort of make these very special and specific arrangements for how to be on the planet.
0: Yes, I absolutely concur. When you did meet in person, did you have any of that pinging, that knowing that's indescribable that the anti woo people will find annoying and possibly come after me for?
1: I had a sense of knowing.
0: Oh, yeah, we
1: decided to do this.
2: And it felt very natural yeah, being together. Yes. Yep. Super and before we met for the first time, we'd, we'd already been communicating for, what, four months at that point?
1: Yeah. With you getting to meet my whole family on the way.
2: Right. Marion was the, the grand finale.
1: It's also been beautiful for me to meet Zoe's parents and brother, you know, and I feel like, oh, I'm a part of this family. And it also felt very natural and lovely. I just feel a ton of gratitude. I feel very
2: blessed. Well, we only live three hours apart now, so mm-hmm. it's easier to to get together on weekends. So mm-hmm. going forward, I think we'll have many more opportunities for making memories together and you getting to know my parents more. But it was you were here three weeks ago, right? You came up to visit my family, and yep. we went for. A walk in the woods uh, near where my parents live, and Marion and my mom were discussing the process they went through 26 years ago when they were having to sync their cycles and getting or giving themselves injections at the same time. These two women going through the same process, but they had no idea who was on the other side of it, and. They never thought they would, and here we were having that conversation. I just had this moment where I thought, this is really amazing that this conversation is even taking place.
0: yeah, what in a really amazing blending of families? I mean, it seems like the best that anyone could hope for.
1: oh I, I believe so it's incredible, yeah, i'm I feel really deeply emotional, just remembering that conversation in the woods, and yeah. I feel so blessed. Like it's amazing. <laughs> what an amazing outcome. So grateful, Zoe, that you're in my life, you and your family.
2: And we are too.
0: Aw, okay. I'm going to cry a little bit. <laughs> and thank you for the
1: opportunity for us to get to talk about this with you and share about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm having some tears. It's very, very tender.
2: Yes. Thank you, Gwen. This is my, my first podcast.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story with me so we can share it with the world. I hope that it helps some people make some decisions or not. And while of course not everybody's story will be as uh, beautiful as this one, it's just, it's such a great thing. So really, thank you so much. I'm really glad you chose me to come on and do this. What did you think? Did it have any pertinence to you and yours? Please reach out and tell me. I really love to know what listeners think. You can do that at whatexcitesus.com by clicking the speak to me button and recording anonymously, or send me an email at gwyn that's G-W-Y-N at earthlydesire.com. earthlydesire.com is also where you can learn about working with me as a coach. And don't forget about my Patreon. You have to enter the whole URL in your browser to find it, and that's patreon.com slash What Excites Us. What Excites Us is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Gwyn Isaacs. All the music used is under the Creative Commons Attribution License. This week it includes the Vendetta by Steven Kartenberg, Let Me Talk Carol by Josh Woodward, Harmony by Polly Plus, And this is Mo Baby by Eternal Producer. Visit Tickle.life for lots of great content about sex and sexuality. And thank them for hosting my show if you are so inclined. Thank you for listening. And don't forget that you are loved and I appreciate you. Bye.